Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to the Inner Source Healing Podcast, the program about healing from toxic abuse. My name is Deborah Ashway. I'm a mental health therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist, but I also have been where you are now and have experienced the devastating effects of toxic abuse. It has been a long journey through the path of healing, but when we finally awaken from the trance that we so easily fall into around toxic people, life can be absolutely amazing. It's like you can finally breathe, live, and experience life in full, vivid, extraordinary color. I want to help people get there by healing from dependency, codependency, trauma, and abuse. The healing process brings us through long-standing perceptions that have held us back from experiencing a more fulfilling and meaningful life. This episode is focused on surviving a toxic environment. How do you survive living in a toxic environment when the behaviors all around you are toxic and manipulative? For example, minors who are um, living with caregivers who demonstrate toxic parenting don't have much choice. Or maybe you're married and you have children together and you're financially dependent and you're unable to leave right now. Or maybe you're in a uh, job, maybe you work for somebody who's over-controlling or critical, but you can't afford to uh, quit your job at the moment and you're dependent on that income. So you might be looking for ways to deal with your current situation and it's not always easy. And it's not even always possible to walk away or get out of that toxic situation. So this episode is focusing on when you can't walk away and you're kind of stuck in that environment, how do you survive that? One of the words that is being overused right now, kind of all over the place for toxic behaviors is narcissist. And to be clear, narcissism is defined in the DSM-5 or the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, as a personality disorder that demonstrates a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, it could be in fantasy or in behavior, a constant need for admiration, and a general lack of empathy. And this begins early in adulthood, and it can present in a variety of contexts. Um, But at least five of the nine criteria that are listed must be met in order to be diagnosed as NPD, which is Narcissistic Personality Disorder. But because of the current, the common association with this word, and for the purposes of ease, sometimes I might use the word narcissist as an abbreviation for somebody who demonstrates toxic behaviors or patterns of thinking and behaving in unempathetic and self-serving ways at the expense of others. But please understand that these 
behavior patterns are not limited to only those with narcissistic personality disorder. These are behavior patterns. They can be presented um, in many forms across many personality disorders on cluster B. Um, and sometimes people don't even have to be diagnosed with a personality disorder to present this these types of behaviors. But so for, to survive in a situation where you might have to either live with or be involved with and around toxic behaviors can be very taxing on your emotions, on your psyche, on your, on your intellect, on, even on your body. I mean, because it's stressful. There's certain things that I have learned throughout my professional experience as well as my personal experience, um, also studying the research and the patterns and behaviors and helping hundreds of others through this similar situation that I want to pass along to you in hopes of increasing your personal power and ultimately decreasing the power of these toxic and manipulative behaviors. We see them everywhere. Surviving in a toxic environment until you can break free or until something changes boils down to four fundamental steps. We're going to break it down into these four steps. One, recognize the tactics. Two, discover your role in the dynamic, whether it's spoken or unspoken, the agreement that you might have with yourself um, or with your whoever you're with. Three, change your role or rewrite the rules. And four, raise your energy level. We will start with one, the first step, one, recognizing the tactics. Now, each of these in this podcast are just kind of a brief overview. Um, I will get into a lot more detail in other podcasts and on my blog and eventually in workshops that will be available. But for right now, we're just going to do a brief overview of these four fundamental steps of surviving in toxic environments. So recognizing the tactics, to be able to recognize the tactics, it really helps to know the motives behind the tactics. There are certain base commonalities that appear in most toxic behaviors. Understanding and being able to recognize the behaviors helps you keep your power. Without awareness of these principles, it is very likely that your energy and your power will be drained out of you without even you knowing. Awareness is like having the ability to shut the door when you see it coming. People that display toxic behavior patterns generally do so in order to obtain four main sources for their sense of stability. And again, this is covered in depth in other podcasts, but these four things, they absolutely need these four things just as much as people need sleep, food, and air. And these four things um, are power, control, admiration, and attention. I'm going to say that again because these are really important to recognize. Power, control, admiration, and attention. Remember that these four elements are required by people with an empty sense of self in order to regulate their self-esteem, in order to make them feel like they even exist. This need is so strong and so prevalent that it takes priority over anything else, including your feelings or well-being. 
they will stop at nothing to obtain it. While they appear to possibly have empathy at times, overall, because the need for their self-esteem comes first, empathy often gets pushed aside and it becomes irrelevant. When you realize that someone else's need to feel important or strong or powerful or admired outweighs your needs, it becomes clearer to you and it becomes easier to detach emotionally and not take the things that they say or do personally. And yes, it will still be irritating, but not as taxing on your own sense of self-worth or even your own perception of reality. Being around someone who does not have the ability to focus on you or even worse, drains you of your energy for their own gain, for their own self-satisfaction is absolutely exhausting. If you're in a situation where you have no choice but to interact, then learning to detach is essential. You'll need to learn to recognize when you are being gaslighted. Gaslighted is a term that comes from an old movie actually called Gaslight. The movie, in the movie, the husband tries to gain emotional and mental control over his wife through tactics that made her feel like she was losing her mind. She trusted him because that was her husband and she doubted herself because of the covert tricks and antics that he used on her. You need to learn to recognize when you are being gaslighted. There are common behaviors that are typically used by narcissists to obtain their supply of power, control, admiration, and attention. And we'll go over a few of the more frequently used tactics as an overview. And again, for a more in-depth and extensive understanding, please visit my blog to read more, come back to more podcasts. I'm also going to cover more of this later on. Um, the things that show up in a narcissist's repertoire or anyone that is trying to obtain supply for self-gratification typically include tactics that will leave you with hurt feelings and usually fall within the extremities rather than toward the center. In other words, they tend to have black and white thinking and behaviors. There is sort of like an inability to hold room for a duality. So they see things as either all good or all bad, but they find it difficult to recognize the possibility of something or someone being both. There's no gray areas for them because that would force them to accept both extremes or somewhere in the middle. And it's much less work for them to put something or someone into a category of one or the other than to have to reconcile the two. It takes a lot more brain energy to try to accommodate these types of ideas. Because of this ability to recognize balance, their behaviors and or their words reflect only extremes of most areas, such as how they view themselves and others. So one day, a narcissist might appear to worship someone, maybe even you, placing you on a pedestal, unable to see any fault with you, they think the world of you, and then another day, that same person might completely devalue you. It could be you or somebody else. Just notice these patterns. Suddenly, the narcissist sees you or someone as the worst person ever, and these opposing views are often how they feel about themselves as well. Sometimes they feel better than anyone else. 
and they have this false sense of grandiosity. And they do this to keep the sense of self from deflating. And other times they might have deep feelings of worthlessness, although they might, they might never actually acknowledge these. So these feelings are unlikely to um, last very long or reach, even reach their consciousness. But when the feelings of worthlessness do flood their system, and these are feelings, their toxic behaviors increase in an attempt to stabilize their sense of self or to ward off these negative feelings. So you're going to see things like shame basing or the flip side of that, which is exaggerating as in like grandiose thinking. And there's all sorts of ways that this can happen. But when you feel put down, that is a clear sign that something is happening. This is your signal to detach from what they are saying. You don't have to own what they are saying about you or carry it in any way, much like you would if you saw this happening on a TV show that you were watching or a movie that you were watching. You, you would just kind of watch it from an observation point of view. Um, these, th these, the narcissist might start telling stories about themselves, which sound impressive or maybe even extreme. And these stories are designed to build themselves up while at the same time, they have the propensity to put you down or somebody else down. Again, the feeling of being put down is what you are looking for here. The feeling of being put down. Other common tactics that are used are denying responsibility either through blame or through projection or deflection in some way. The feelings that you will experience are along the lines of frustration, resentment, irritability, and feeling overwhelmed. Blame shifting is commonly used to avoid taking responsibility for the things that they have said, done, or neglect to do. Be aware of phrases as like, uh, you're just too sensitive or you can't take a joke. Most of the time, these negative behavioral patterns um, will be represented through a lack of accountability or a lack of responsibility. That way, they don't, again, they don't have to face things that are too difficult for them or negative emotions. Number two, step number two, discover your role in this environment. What is your part in it? Basically, the only part of the equation that you can control is yourself. So it's really worth examining. It might, it might not always feel that great, but it will increase your power in this. It's certainly possible that you have had, I mean, you have had to have learned some survival strategies in dealing with toxic behaviors. And so after a while, these, these survival strategies become habits. And it's also very likely that we adapt to some of the thinking of the controllers simply because we have learned the negative consequences of not going along with them. This also becomes habitual thinking. So these things have a way of seeping into our subconsciousness. And every once in a while, it helps to do some house cleaning. Notice the energy that you expend when you're in the heat of one of these conflicts. If you notice that you are spending a large amount of time and energy trying to get someone to see your side of things or to understand what at first seemed to you perfectly logical, then take a moment to calm yourself. Just 
breathe. Excuse yourself maybe from the interaction and review what your bottom line goal is. Maybe write out your thoughts if that helps. And you might find that you are losing a lot more of your own power and energy in a futile argument and trying to get a point across that will never even reach the receiver. Take back your energy. Realize that you no longer need to waste your energy here. Chances are that people who display toxic tactics actually do see your point at some level, but they're refusing to accept it. Remember, they don't want to accept responsibility. People who use manipulative tactics will often exert large amounts of energy deflecting or avoiding the truth if it means that they don't have to take responsibility. Another thing to look at is how are you reacting? Take a look at some of the ways that you might be spending your energy that might be better off reserved or spent somewhere else. How do you respond to someone's nonsensical behavior? Do you find yourself trying to help them make sense of things? It is so easy to get caught up in a twisted argument that is actually designed to confuse and baffle you for the sake of distortion so that they can ultimately gain control. Do you try different approaches, hoping for better results? Maybe sometimes you ignore them and other times you get caught and you find yourself yelling back, defending whatever you thought needed defending, which actually probably didn't need defending in the first place. So always check your intentions. Start with searching your heart. Make sure that what you're being accused of or blamed for ever originated from bad intentions. Most of the time, if you pay attention, you're going to find that the negative energy projected towards you is a way for somebody else to avoid taking personal accountability. So let me just give you an example. Here's an example. You have certain needs in a relationship. Healthy relationships are made of patterns of give and take. And there's going to be times when you give and there's going to be times when you might need something. Maybe you feel overwhelmed and you wonder if things in the relationship are out of balance. You notice that every night after both of you work all day, you make dinner for the family that you planned and obtained all the ingredients for. And then after dinner, you notice that you do most of the cleanup. So you decide to ask your partner to help you, but they explain to you the reasons that they don't feel it's fair of you to even ask them. They tell you that their job is more taxing or more important, or that they make more money, or they start accusing you of being ungrateful and selfish. You then defend yourself, and they shoot back more examples or insults, or they dig up past events and, unre and unrelated events. And then this argument escalates because you get caught up in defending whatever didn't need defending. And you lose sight of the initial request, which was a simple ask for help. And give examples of times that you have helped or that you have, neg that you have neglected to help. But your tone sounds angry because you're defensive. And this is where they hook you. They can then tell you how crazy you're acting. And poof! They're no longer the negative one. It's a game of hot potato. Now you're stuck holding the potato. Remember, search your heart. Check your original intentions. Did you make an unfair demand? If you did, then fair enough for you to change it. Or was it a simple request for help? Were you trying to slough off extra work onto them 
after they had a long day when all you did was relax all day? Or did you genuinely view the workload as imbalanced? Would you have asked them for help if you thought that they weren't feeling well? After searching your heart, and when you know that you have had no ill intentions in your heart, it is much easier to let go. Realize that this negative spin-out may not have been the cause of you, but recognize where you contributed. You did not need to defend yourself in the first place in this case scenario. Next, decide what you can and cannot tolerate. Removing your own negative responses does cut down on some of the reverberation of the toxicity, but where do you draw the line? What is easier for you? Are you are you able to ask for help and accept that you might not get any or worse that it might even cause a negative reaction? Or would it be easier for you to let the task go and just do it yourself? None of these conditions are ideal and you have to decide for yourself. But while you're in an environment with someone who spews toxic behaviors, you really have limited options. When there is not an option to leave the relationship at the moment, there might be an option to leave the room for a little while at least before things escalate. And this might not even be an option always either. So sometimes just cutting down on your responses can at least decrease the level of negative energy. Another thing, remember that their behavior has nothing to do with you. If you can remember that and watch from an observer standpoint, you're going to be a lot better off. Remember that if you have checked your intentions and know in your heart that there was no malice, then you have nothing to defend. Allow your benevolence to speak for itself, even if what you asked included a request that they don't feel they deserve. If you meant no wrong, don't defend. Don't explain or put any more effort into trying to get them to understand. Remove yourself physically if you can long enough to regain your composure and stability and recharge your own energy. Go write some things down, listen to music, do some deep breathing, something to help you calm down and remind yourself that you had no bad intentions and the behavior that they are displaying might be extremely irritating, but it has nothing to do with you. Observe the temporary state of things, including happiness. Just as fleeting as happiness seems to be at times, so are the states of discomfort or pain. Allow the moments to flow with trust that they will to pass. Stepping out of an emotionally charged situation or even not responding in that moment will allow some more time for that moment to pass. Remember, everything is in a state of flow. Number three, change your role. Build some boundaries. Non-reactions can help with the most important aspect of changing your role, which is building boundaries. If someone was attacking you with a sword, you would want a shield and a coat of armor to protect yourself. Right now, we're focused on the protective factors, the boundaries. Think of any living creature, plant or animal. They all have natural ways to protect themselves. Even flowers have some form of protection. Marigolds have a natural repellent for keeping insects away. Without this repellent, the insects would invade the flower and cause damage. Without emotional boundaries, 
toxic and manipulative behaviors can invade your psyche and cause you emotional and spiritual damage. If and when the situation arises where you need to respond, interact with their actual age, not their emotional age. In other words, even when someone is acting like a child or an adolescent, keep yourself on a healthy level. Even though you might not connect at this level, you're going to feel better about yourself for not lowering your own behavior. And this is a form of constructing boundaries because you're remaining at a level that they might not even be able to reach. Know your self-worth. You have value. It's really easy to forget that after being in a toxic relationship. We become removed from that knowledge after a while. Toxic behaviors of others tend to condition their targets into believing that they offer little more than neediness and selfishness. And those of us around people with an empty sense of self start to buy into their mantra of their puffed up false value and by contrast, our own lack of worth, which is completely untrue. But over time, we gradually change our habits to, to serve their needs, their wants, their whims, and we forget our own. So start paying attention to your own likes and your own dislikes and your own wants and notice the things that you actually enjoy and that you are good at. A quick way to boost your sense of value is to begin to speak your truth, even if this causes discomfort to somebody else because they don't want to take accountability. Practice true self-expression. Wear that outfit that you like. Watch that show that you enjoy. Read the book that you want to read. Learn the skill that you're interested in. Explore and experience and enjoy the things that make you uniquely you. And number four, raise your energy level. Spending some time with you and enjoying the things that you like helps you raise your own energy. Schedule some you time. You might call it me time. This is a time when you're alone and you can think freely and you can feel and you can experience the things that you want with no interference from anybody else. And there's nobody there to please except for you. So when we become trained in people pleasing, this breeds codependency and we're literally dependent on somebody else's emotional energy. We're dependent on their moods. Their moods sets the stage for us. Just like any other dependency, we need time away from that in order to heal. It might be difficult at first, but with practice, you're going to find that you're going to enjoy your alone time. You'll begin to crave it more and more instead of the burden of having to please somebody else. You'll begin to look forward to the next time you have some precious alone time and your mind will produce ideas about how to spend it and your excitement levels will increase and your passions have a chance to bloom. This podcast has provided a brief overview of some of the things that you can do in order to exist in toxic situations. The best thing, of course, would be to get out, but that's not always possible. The ideas offered here do not encompass anything more than a brief outline. If you're in a toxic environment that you cannot get out of at the moment, or if you are healing from a toxic relationship, please explore more about healing. There is a world of information out there. And you can also visit my blog at www.spiral-garden.com. I will continue to upload podcasts 
on healing from toxic abuse. So come back and check for more. And until then, I wish you deep healing.